Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of A Guy and a Girl Talk Sports where we are a guy and a girl who just really love to talk all things sports or interview people who love them as much as we do. So if you love sports as much as we do, make sure you're tuning in every Monday and every Thursday for a new episode of A Guy and a Girl Talk Sports. And like we always say, thank you guys so much for tuning in to A Guy and a Girl Talk Sports. We know that there's so many amazing podcasts out there. If you guys want a little daily fix of A Guy and a Girl Talk Sports, we have a Facebook, a Twitter, and an Instagram. They are all GG Talk Sports. And if you guys wouldn't mind, leave a rating, leave a review, and don't forget to subscribe. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today is just going to be a variety of sports, but like we always do first, we're going to get into some sports highlights. So the first one is, this weekend, Stipe Miocic defeated Daniel Cormier for the heavyweight title. It was Stipe DC3, I guess Miocic Cormier 3, but it did not disappoint. I was sad that DC lost, I'll be honest, I was biased, but I'm also happy because Stipe is a hell of a competitor, a hell of a champion, and arguably now the greatest heavyweight of all time. Yeah, he did extremely well, and I think the thing that everybody kept saying about the second fight happened again in the third fight, that he was just able to adjust and make differences in his game so that way he could beat DC, and there was an eye poke that was absolutely disturbing to watch. Like, when they watched it, they replayed it in slow motion, I cringed hard, (laughs) Um, and DC couldn't see out of his eye. One thing I don't like is all the people commenting saying, like, an eye for an eye, and it's karma because DC had poked Stipe in the eye. I don't think that's the way we should look at it, but, I mean, it happened, and it looked extremely painful. Yeah, I mean, they both technically did poke each other in the eye, but if you're being honest with yourselves, and if you're actually watching the fight, we all know one affected the other fighter way more than the other finger poke did. So, a little unfortunate to see. Still, either way, it was a hell of a fight. Really entertaining. Both guys left it all out there, and, I mean, it's sad that DC lost his final fight, but I will say he went out with a hell of a fight, and a, I mean... To get eye poked like that, and not to mention he got he got smacked around a couple of times, and to still keep on fighting, I mean, he's a champion. Yeah, I agree. And now he can just commentate, which he's one of my favorite ones to listen to, so I'm pumped about that. But either way, I'm not taking anything away from Stipe. It was a hell of a fight. Congratulations to him. He is a bad dude, not to mention probably the greatest heavyweight of all time. That's debatable. Would love to hear what you guys think on our Instagram, GG Talk Sports. Moving on, both number one seeds lost their first game in the first round for the second time ever. And I'm talking about the NBA now. Let me clarify. My bad, guys. The first time ever that it ever happened was in 2004. Yeah. Technically, like, seeding games and all of this didn't really happen until I think it was like 83 and 84 in the NBA. So it's not that long maybe of a time period, but still, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, that was crazy. And I definitely didn't expect the Bucks to go down to the Magic like they did. Um, I, I think both you and I had said multiple times that we thought Portland could really give the Lakers a run for their money, which they absolutely did in the first game. Um, but I definitely didn't expect both of them to lose the first game, so it was crazy to see. Yeah, I think I said it on another podcast. If you guys want to go listen to it, it was Sebi Podcast. We were on there, and I mentioned that I think the Portland Trailblazers could honestly upset the Lakers. And yeah. I know everybody thinks I'm crazy by saying that, but maybe you know, maybe I'm on Charles Barkley's side for once ever. I don't think I'm going to start sweeping the house or anything crazy like that, but (laughs) still. it's. I mean, it's definitely going to be an interesting series to watch. So they have their second game tonight, which we can't wait to see what happens there. Um, And then obviously the Bucs have their second game too, so we'll see if both number one seeds bounce back or if we get them into two-game holes. Yeah, but we're going to get more in-depth about the NBA and all the NBA playoffs when we get into our topic, so we're going to move on real quick. Alex Smith, if you guys don't remember who Alex Smith is, he's been the quarterback for, I don't know, I guess – before this, he was the quarterback for the Chiefs, and now he's the quarterback for the Washington football team. 
That's still weird <laughs> yeah. to say. Um, but anyways, he suffered a gruesome, I mean, a gruesome leg injury probably about almost two years ago, I guess. Yeah, I think it was November of 2018, I want to say. So pretty close. And he actually just now got cleared and had his first full day of full pads. Yeah, it was crazy to see him with football pads on again. And I think, I mean, it just makes me nervous that he's back out there. And I don't know how he quite feels about it, but I'm sure he's pumped about it. I just hope that you know, he can get out there and feel excited to play again because that's what his main goal was. Obviously, at some point in the journey, his goal was then, like, to survive, not necessarily to go back to football, but I know he's always wanted to get back to football, so I'm excited for him. But hopefully, you know, everything goes smoothly. Yeah, he put out a documentary, I believe it was a few months ago, so if you guys have a chance, go check it out. Yes, it's gruesome. Yes, it's very bloody. Yes, it shows some things that I've never seen before. No. But it was also an incredible story. Yeah. And, and it also shows you... A lot of resiliency, a lot of grit, a lot of just things that a lot of people sometimes need in this time. So it was really cool. Go check it out. And then the final thing. Well, I guess technically we have two more highlights. Maybe three. My bad. <laughs> so no NBA player has tested positive for COVID out of 341 tested at Orlando since August 12th. Yeah, I'm just, I just knocked on some wood because I hope it stays that way. But that is extremely impressive. And I just think that there is such a clear message in the bubble to what everybody else in the United States needs to be doing, which is wearing a mask and keeping your distance. It's really, guys, it sucks, yes, but it's not that hard. So just do it because it's clearly working. In an environment where it's controlled and people are wearing their masks, nobody's testing positive. So it is possible, and the NBA has done an amazing job at making sure all their players are staying safe. Yeah, I think it's just proof is in the pudding. That's all I have to say. Yeah. I mean, literally, they are showing us that it is possible to not contract it if you're smart. So moving on, I got to give a shout out to Travis Kelsey. And I'm not sure if we touched on Travis Kelsey's new uh, contract that he signed with the Chiefs or if we touched on George Kittle's new contract that he signed with the 49ers. Either way, congrats to both of those guys. Kittle is changing the tight end market. And I think Travis Kelsey is changing the tight end market for a longer period of time. So yeah. it's really great to see both guys have successes. The one thing I wanted to bring up was Travis Kelsey just announced that he's creating a thing called the Ignition Lab where underserved kids in Kansas City will have a place to explore STEM careers. Oh, that's really cool. That's like awesome that he is finding ways to get kids in his community involved and giving them opportunities to do things or learn things they might not have had the opportunity to do otherwise. So I love that. I always just love whenever, you know, you get this big contract and then they use the money to do really good things. Yeah, and I think maybe I'm a little biased because I went to school in the Kansas, Kansas City Chiefs kind of area and playground. But the amount of philanthropic activities that the Kansas City Chiefs do and the players that they bring in do, it's really incredible to see. I gotta give a I mean, I gotta give a round of applause to the Chiefs, to the organization as a whole, to what they are able to do within their community. Because if you go to Kansas City and you go to a Chiefs game, you see that community rally around a team. Yeah. I think it's largely because the team rallies around the city. So it's really yeah. cool to see. And the final highlight, the US Open starts soon. We just kinda wanted to say this one time for the one times. It starts on August thirty first. So be sure to tune in. We'll say it one more time before then, maybe two more times. We're both really excited, both a little skeptical on why it's happening. We'll talk about that maybe in another episode. Yeah, a lot of big name players have opted out. I think Djokovic is really the only big name. I think Serena at this point in time is planning on playing too, but I mean the Nadals of the world, Halops of the world, um, they've all opted out. So it'll be interesting, but we'll see if it happens on August 31st. All right, so moving on to the GG of the episode, and this time it is a true GG of the episode. Steph, tell everybody what it is. Yeah, so the GG of the episode, if you don't normally listen to our podcast, is 
basically a big fat L that we hand out to somebody who did something stupid, said something stupid, or basically something they shouldn't have done. So that's kind of what we do, hand out a big GG. Sometimes we spin it to be like a good game, like a positive thing, but most of the time it's a big fat L. Yeah, so this one's going to go out to Cincinnati Reds commentator. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this news yet. It just happened this week, but Tom Brenneman said a anti-gay slur on air, and then he apologized two and a half hours after he said it. Yeah, and I just, it was very bizarre. I don't know what made him think what he said was acceptable. You are on, like, for one, you're very clearly on air, so what are you doing? And two, like, this is just a problem. I know a lot of times people say, you're on air, why would you say that? But you're just a human being, why would you say that, period? Whether you're on air or whether you're off air, it doesn't matter. You can't say those things. It's extremely disrespectful. It's extremely rude. And they're just words that we need to be removing from our vocabulary. So a big GG to him for one, just saying it with like such ease that it was really disturbing to hear. And then two, taking forever to apologize. And his apology was like, I guess that I said something I shouldn't have said. And I'm just like, no, own up to it. You said something you shouldn't have said. And that's that. Yeah, don't use the excuse of I was on the mic or I was on air or well i would have never said this if i knew people would hear me say it you felt that way yeah like you still inside believe that and felt that and said that so i mean i don't know i understand that things happen you know shit happens people say things that they don't mean sometimes i understand that but at the end of the day that's something that you should never say and something that should never be said and so he actually is now on suspension i'm not sure if he's fired but i know that the cincinnati reds immediately once upon actually hearing the news suspended him from commentating and that that's all that's really been said so far i just hope that's a learning moment for everybody either way gg to him i hope that he can make up for this because if he didn't mean to say it that's a very unfortunate way to go out especially for somebody that has had such a i don't know prevalent mlb career as a commentator not to mention his dad so it's just really sad to see it's unfortunate to see um but i am glad that the reds made the right decision and suspended him so Moving on to our topic of the day, we put up a poll on our Instagram and we asked you guys, do you like listening to us talk about one sport or a variety of sports? And it was a landslide for a variety of sports. And it makes a lot of sense during this period of time, especially when there are a landslide of sports on TV at the current moment. So we are going to follow through with what you guys voted for and talk about a variety of sports because there's so much going on. So what are we going to start with? Yeah, so I think the format's going to go NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, college sports, and then maybe a little bit of WNBA thrown in there at some point in time. Gotcha. So let's hit up the NBA first. All right. So I want to discuss the matchups, but I also do want to talk about something very cool. So apparently the NBA has informed teams that they cannot report just an injury. So a lot of times an NBA team would report just injured, and that's what the NBA would know. That's all that they would know about that player. So let's say, for example, Kawhi Leonard, it would say injured. Yeah. Nothing else. They now have to use a specific reason or body part when they actually say that injury. So now, for example, let's say Kawhi Leonard calf. Okay, so what's wrong with his calf? Does he need to have an MRI? Does he need to have an x-ray? Now they actually know what is wrong and they have to actually make sure that that player is acceptable and okay to play, which is kind of interesting. That is interesting. I'm kind of shocked it hasn't been that way previously, but I do know that a lot of times that they are like you know, questionable for the game and nobody really knows why or what's going on. So this is good to at least have some visibility to what's going on with the players when they are listed as injured. So very interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I feel happy or sad about this because 
kind of the old school me says, all right, who gives a damn? This is basketball. This is a professional sport. Like, this is the playoffs. Yeah. I don't care if you have a calf strain. I'm going to play. You shouldn't have to disclose it maybe either. Like, that's that's a question too. Like, especially if, you know, it is a calf or whatever, and then the the opposing team knows the calf. Like, not to say somebody's going to do something, but that just gives up information that you wouldn't have to have disclosed otherwise. But if I'm that opposite team, I'm saying, all right, I'm going to work him harder on that side because his calf's strained. Yeah. So, I mean, there's different ways to look at this. It can either be a huge benefit or I think it could be a really, really big negative. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I guess we'll just see if it plays out to have really any effect. It really could have zero effect, but it's just interesting that they're changing things up. So like we mentioned, we were on a podcast and they asked us our all NBA bubble team. And I just had to share this on our podcast because we went very different than a lot of people because, well, we're we're small ball people, I guess you could say. Right. If you guys haven't listened recently, we are a fan of the Houston Rockets this year. I wouldn't say we're like cheering them on all the way. We just think that it's very awesome and very cool and very unique what they're doing. So we did our own little small ball lineup, and we had point guard Damian Lillard. Could have thrown Luka in there. We didn't. We have Damian Lillard, shooting guard, D-Book, small forward, TJ Warren, and I'm going to hold, I'm going to keep him in there. Okay. We were back and forth on TJ Warren, but I'm going to leave him in there. Power forward, we put Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. And then at center, we put Anthony Davis. Yeah. Actually, I think we put Giannis. Yeah, I think we switched it out for Giannis whenever we were actually deciding on it finally, because... Anthony Davis has been not disappointing, but just not like all-star material at this point in time, especially in the bubble. So that was kind of our lineup. And to Chad's point, it was very small ball-esque because a lot of these like smaller players, they're not even small, but smaller players are performing extremely well in the bubble, especially like the TJ Warrens of the world or the Michael Porter Juniors of the world. You would probably never catch us putting them on our starting lineup like during a normal regular season, but... Their performance in the bubble has been exceptional, so they made our list. That's what I'm saying. Before you guys start throwing things at your screen because you're hearing us say nonsense or, I don't know, give us a one-star rating because we're saying nonsense, think about it. The all-NBA bubble team has nothing to do with the regular season or anything outside of the bubble. It's only the bubble, and all of those guys on our list have been performing extremely well. So it's been really fun to see, but let us know on GG Talk Sports, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, who is y'all's? All NBA bubble team. By the way, let me just say we had co MVPs in Damian Lillard and Devin Booker. Yes, but not shocked that Damian Lillard won it outright because his performance in the bubble has been absolutely insane, especially in those first eight for them nine games. All right, so I want to talk about the actual standings as they are right now, really quickly, and then we'll move on to the other sports. So you have the Thunder and Rockets playing today. Houston's up in the series 1 0. Do you feel like this is a Rockets sweep? Do you feel like the Thunder are going to maybe pull this one out how do you feel real quick so i think the rockets will win but i think that the thunder will at least get a game or two off of them over the course of this series all right i feel the exact same way as you do so i'm not going to say anything else about that (laughs) heat and pacers you got game two miami leads the series one to zero i'll answer this one for myself already that way it kind of goes back and forth i'm almost going to make a bold statement and say the heat sweep i think that the heat at least beat them in five the Pacers are good. Don't get me wrong. The Pacers are really good, but I think they're missing. I think they're really missing Sabonis. I think they're missing a couple other key players to their roster. And the Heat are on a mission this year. I think it's pretty clear to see the Pacers are able to keep up with them for like the first three quarters. I think they've actually kept it really competitive, maybe even in the fourth. But then you just see the kind of the acumen, the competitiveness, and maybe even the coaching on the Heat. So I think the Heat win in four, maybe even five. Yeah, I agree. I think they probably win in five, but I definitely think they win it. All right, Bucks and Magic. This is interesting. Game two, 
Today, Orlando leads the series 1-0. Never would have thought I'd ever say that in my life, but it is the truth. Yeah, I still think the Bucks will end up pulling this one out. I don't think the Bucks will make it past the next round. I know I originally thought that the Bucks were going to win it all, but now I'm seeing their performance, and it's really lackluster and not super exciting. Um, and so I'm going to pick the Bucks to still win this series, but I don't think it's going to last much longer than that for them. Yeah, I agree. I think it's probably Bucks and probably six at this point. I was going to say yeah. five. But I, I just don't see that happening the way that I saw the Magic play. So it's going to be fun to see. The final one for the evening, Trailblazers versus the Lakers. you got the Portland Trailblazers leading the series 1-0. to zero. Okay, your turn to respond. All right, so I got the Trailblazers in six. Yes. <laughs> that is all, that all you got. Uh, okay, all right. <laughs> I love that. So I know that everybody's probably like saying how y'all are just on the bandwagon. But we've actually been fans for a very long time. I've been a mellow fan since the Syracuse days. Steph and I have always been Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum fans for however many years we can remember. It's just always been we're Thunder fans. So, yeah. well, when you play the Blazers, we hope you lose. Yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with that being said, we think that the Trailblazers have it in them. I, I fully believe that they have it in them. Nurkic, Hassan Whiteside are very slept on down low against AD. Mm-hmm. Zach Collins is injured. No offense to him. I, I don't think he's a X factor in this series at all. You got Mello, skinny Mello, playing fantastic on LeBron. Yes, he didn't play a great game, but I think people weren't looking at the whole game that he played. His defense on LeBron was great for the yeah, most part. I agree. And then you got Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. In our eyes, probably the second best backcourt to Chef Curry and Klay Thompson. Yeah. So, I don't know. I agree. I think it's definitely possible for the Trailblazers to win this series. I think that the Lakers are having a really hard time scoring, which is just not working, obviously, in their favor. And they have a very hard time stopping um, the Trailblazers' offense as well. And to your point, we called the Trailblazers, at least I did from the very beginning, like multiple episodes back on the podcast, that they would make it into the eighth seed and bring a bit of an interesting component to the first and eighth seed game. So, that is absolutely happening. Their next game is tonight, like Chad said, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in this game. I know a lot of people think that the Lakers are just going to bounce back and whoop them this game, but I don't see that happening again, so we'll see. So moving on, we have the Raptors playing the Brooklyn Nets. Toronto's leading that series 2-0. to zero. I think it's going to be a sweep. Maybe Brooklyn gets a game. I just don't really see it happening. Either way, I have Toronto winning that series. What about you? Yeah, I have Toronto winning too. I think this is similar to your Pacers and Heat comment where the Brooklyn Nets can kind of hang in there for about three quarters, but they tend to lose it in the fourth quarter. So I think the experienced Toronto Raptors pull it out. I mean, if the Brooklyn Nets have KD and Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan, do you think that, I mean... Yeah, I legitimately think that they could be in contention in the East. Yeah, I think it'll just be interesting to see how KD and Kyrie play together um, to be able to know that for sure. But yeah, with that amount of talent, I think they're extremely dangerous, especially where the bottom half of the East is not as impressive in general. The way that I saw Karis LeVert play in this NBA bubble makes me so excited for the Brooklyn Nets organization because no offense to Kyrie and KD and all them, They'll probably leave after a few years. Yeah, they have at least some core players who can like stick in there for the long run that they can build around too, which is good. All right, so moving on, we have the Nuggets taking on the Jazz. This has been maybe my Ooh. favorite series to watch so far. Game three, you have the series tied at 1-1. What do you think is going to happen? We actually are very against each other in this series, oddly yeah. enough. I think this is the one where we don't agree on who we want to win. Chad wants the Nuggets to win, and I want the Jazz to win, but... I do think that the Nuggets have a bit of an upper hand, a little bit, although Donovan Mitchell is doing everything in his power to make sure that that is not the case. I do think this is going to be one that could go to like at least six, maybe seven games because they are so evenly matched. 
Um, but I do think that the Nuggets might still pull it out, but I still want the Jazz to win. Yeah, I think it probably goes to seven just because the series is already tied one to one. I think probably it could go to six. You could just see one team go hot and just go off and spank them. But I don't know. That's just so tough. Both teams have been playing really competitively. I will say the second game was definitely in favor of the Jazz. Donovan Mitchell also did put up 57 the first game. So I think it's maybe looking a bit more promising for the Jazz. But I will say the Nuggets have a lot of experience kind of in these longer playoff rounds. So I don't know. It's going to be a great game. It's been a lot of fun to watch. I think, like I said, that's my favorite series to watch so far. I think the Nuggets take it in seven. That's just my personal opinion. (laughs) Hopefully it happens. Anyways, moving on, we got the Celtics taking on the 76ers. Boston is leading that series 2-0. I think we can just pull out the broom, call this one a sweep. No offense to anybody. It's just really unfortunate that Ben Simmons is hurt. Yeah. Joel Embiid's kind of banged up. It's just unfortunate. Yeah, it's just not working out in the 76ers' favor. So I agree that um, Celtics could sweep. Maybe the 76ers would get one game, but I don't see it being any more than that. And moving on to the final game, we have the Clippers and the Mavericks. Ooh. I'd take a bet. Nah, I'm going to stick with the Nuggets and Jazz in my favorite series, and then it goes Clippers-Mavs. This has been fireworks all around. Yeah, this is extremely fun to watch. So in the first game, Chris stops. Porzingis got ejected, which was a crazy turn of events, and so the Clippers ended up winning. But the Mavs got them in the second game, which was really fun to watch. The Mavs looked very impressive, and the Clippers... I mean, they looked good, but not great. So I think it's interesting to see how this one continues to play out. I do think, I'm going to call it, I'm going to say the Mavs are going to win the series. <laughs> I know that that's probably not necessarily what's going to happen, but I just really want them to win. So I'm going to call them to win. I think it'll take a six to seven game series. No questions asked. No, yeah, I think the Mavs are a great choice. Personally, I'm going to go with the Clippers just because of the veteran leadership, the amount of experience that they have, and also I will say the depth I think is going to play a very crucial part in a seven-game series. I will say, though, I love the way that Kristaps is playing. I love the way that Luka is playing. He's playing like a man possessed. Can we also talk about Tim Hardaway Jr.? Yeah, he's like the underdog come to rise. (laughs) X-Factor, even though I guess that's why they paid him. That's his job right now. But either way, it's been incredible to see him kind of come alive in the NBA bubble. And also this season, he has had a good season, but I feel like I've really actually seen him come alive in the bubble. So we're going to move on to the NHL really quickly. We want to discuss this because we've actually really enjoyed watching the NHL playoffs like we have every single year. But this one's different because there's no fans. Yeah. Our hometown team isn't in it, so we can't go cheer them on. So we're just sitting there being fans, watching NHL. What do you think so far? I really like it. I think it's interesting that there are no fans. I mean, I think fans in hockey bring a whole nother level to the playoffs. I think that's the case for every sport, but just experiencing a hockey playoff game is something like I've not experienced before. So I really enjoy watching it. I think there's a really good intensity level. Um, There's a lot of body checks and, you know, the whole nine in the hockey world. But I just think that there's a lot of really close series. And I also think there's a lot of really good performance by the lower seed. So I've seen a lot of games where the lower seed is actually winning. I see a lot of games where it's really close. It's tied. There's a lot of goals happening, which I think is really fun to watch. So the whole thing is extremely entertaining. Yeah, no, I agree. We've really enjoyed it. One of our favorite sports to watch, and we say it all the time, is playoff hockey. Just because it's such a different atmosphere, there's a ton of hitting, which I'm a big fan of. (laughs) And there's a lot of, of, uh, it's kind of like chess. There's a lot of different things that go into hockey that if you actually understand hockey, which I will not be the first one to claim that I know every single thing about hockey, but I do know enough to be able to appreciate kind of the ins and outs. But we're going to talk about the playoff seedings right now. So in the East first round, we had the Tampa Bay Lightning taking out the Blue Jackets in a 4-1 to series. In the East first round, 
we had the Boston Bruins taking out the Hurricanes in a 4-1 series. In the West first round, we had the Colorado Avalanche taking out the Coyotes in a 4-1 series. But like you said with all these goals, I mean, the final game, 5-4, 2-1, not really that high scoring, 7-1, <laughs> high scoring. Yeah, crazy. I mean, in the East first round, you have a game five where Philadelphia is leading the series three to two against the Canadians, and that one was five to three. Yeah. So, I mean, it just keeps going on. And then the West, the first round, you also have the Canucks taking on the Blues. Vancouver Blues are leading that series three to two. And then in the East first round, you have the, this is the one that we've actually really been enjoying to watch because this is a shocker. You have the New York Islanders leading the Capitals in a three to one series. The Capitals had to win in their last game, and they did. I mean, yeah. barely. They had to come back from a 2-0 to zero deficit. It was incredible to watch. It was a lot of fun to watch. So now they are playing to stay alive. Yep. And then the other one, the West first round. You have a game six where Dallas ugh, is leading the series against the Flames 3-2. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. If you know our previous history, we're Nashville Predators fans. Yep. The Dallas Stars have, for some reason, every single time that we go watch the Preds, they're the ones that they're playing and they always kick our ass. I don't get it. I don't know why, because most of the time we actually win yeah. when, when we're not there. They were just bad luck. But we also don't like the Dallas Stars, so maybe they'll lose. Sorry, Star fans. Yeah. Yeah, so be sure to tune into these last few games. If you guys are not watching playoff hockey, at least watch the last few games of a series because it gets a lot more exciting when a team is either on the brink of elimination or is on the brink of moving on to the next round because they play a lot more aggressive and a lot more hungry. Yeah, so make sure you're tuning in because it's going to be extremely exciting. All right, so moving on to the NFL, I just want to bring up a couple of topics that I saw kind of pop up on our Instagram and Twitter. Marquise Brown, the receiver for the Baltimore Ravens, added 23 pounds of muscle this year. And not to mention, the Ravens are also going to be working out Des Bryant. I just kind of wanted to ask you, who do you think could be dangerous this year in terms of like a player or a team? Oh, that's a good question. I think there's a lot of people who could be dangerous from a player perspective and a team perspective. I still think I'm going to go back to the Browns potentially being a really dangerous team that everybody's like sleeping on. I know that like they let everybody down last season. Everybody had such high expectations for them. But I think that they're potentially set up to actually really succeed this year, especially with a new coach um, and some chemistry between the team. I think they could potentially be dangerous while people don't think they will be. Yeah, no, no, that's a great one. I think that's a that's a great pick as well because they really have a lot of talent, a lot of skills. A team that I'm going to go with is the Buffalo Bills. Hmm. A lot of people aren't talking about them, but I think that they have a lot of talent, a lot of young talent, um, and their defense is really good. Yeah, and they, just, and they made the playoffs last season. Exactly, and they just also signed their head coach to an extension, so I think that they have a really good foundation to build upon. So I think that they could be a team in that contention or in that question to be kind of dangerous. So another thing that I saw is, we've discussed this a couple times, but I don't think we've ever mentioned this on the podcast. Russell Wilson is 57-0. and 0 when leading by four points or more at half. I wanted to ask you this because we always debate about it. Who would you take, him or Aaron Rodgers? So when you're a fourth quarter situation, you need a quarterback. Yeah. You got Russell Wilson standing on the left side, got Aaron Rodgers standing on the right side. They're both saying, coach, put me in. Mm -hmm. I can do this. I can get this job done. Who's your guy? So I'm definitely going to still pick Aaron Rodgers, especially if you're saying in the fourth quarter. I know Russell Wilson is extremely experienced and extremely proven in this time period as well, but I'm still going to pick Aaron Rodgers, especially if Aaron Rodgers has talent. And if I'm the coach, he has it there. So I think that I'm still going to pick Aaron Rodgers because I don't think many quarterbacks have ever done it better. See, that's a great point. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is arguably a GOAT in the fourth quarter, but I will say Russell Wilson is kind of a GOAT in the fourth quarter as well. 
I think that if that pass in the Super Bowl was an interception and it was a touchdown, he would never, ever have a question mark next to his name in the fourth quarter um, or like a clutch situation. That's not true. He's had issues sometimes. Everybody does. Yeah. Everybody struggles. But I think for the majority of the time, he's very successful in the fourth quarter, especially when he has a little lead like this. Yeah. So I think for me, I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. And it's only because I think that him as a quarterback in general is maybe a little better than Aaron Rodgers. Oh, no. Don't even try and make that stretch. I'm not saying that, like, he can throw the ball better, but I'm thinking in whole, body of work, I think that I would pick Russell Wilson. He's going to give you more to offer. No offense to Aaron Rodgers. You're not running that. You're not running the read option with him ever. Yeah. Maybe once. Mm -hmm. I mean, no offense. I just don't see it happening. But I think that right now in this current time period, now, if Aaron Rodgers comes out and just slings the ball and does something crazy and goes off against everybody, then I take it back. But I think right now... <laughs> You're set in stone. You can't take it back now. <laughs> Coming from you taking back the Milwaukee Bucks. But yeah. I think like if I was going to say right now, if I was going to pick one or the other, I'd pick Russell Wilson. I mean, it's interesting because, to your point, in this day and age and the way that um, football is played is different than it always has been. There is a lot more of like a running quarterback option but I'm still picking Aaron Rodgers. I will never not pick him just because I think what he's able to do with the ball in his hands is insane. And to the same point, if he has any sort of talent, even if he doesn't have talent around him, he makes it happen. So I'm still going to pick him. But I get the, I guess I get the debate of Russell Wilson having a little bit like more options, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think just right now in this time period, in this day and age, in this way of playing the NFL or in this way of playing football, I feel like Russell Wilson would give me a better advantage. And that's, that's nothing against Aaron Rodgers. I think he is a goat of a quarterback. I think he's probably one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. But in this time period, in this day and age, mm-hmm. I think Russell Wilson would give me a little bit more to work with. Very interesting. Let us know what you think over on GG Talk Sports. If you had to choose between Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, who would be your quarterback? i pick Aaron Rodgers. Chad picks Russell Wilson. So let us know. Yeah, so that's going to kind of conclude our NFL discussion. We didn't really want to talk too much about the NFL because... There's just been a lot of news, a lot of training camps are going on, so we're still kind of waiting to get everything broken out and kind of sought through before we have a full in-depth conversation. But I want to move on to the MLB. So Fernando Tatis was sitting there waiting to swing, and he had a 3-0 count, and he smacked a grand slam. Okay, so explain this to me because apparently this is like an uh, unwritten rule that on a 3-0 count or something, you're not supposed to swing for a home run. Is that like what the unwritten rule is because he has to apologize for it, which I really just don't understand. Like, MLB, why do you have quote-unquote unwritten rules? Let the man hit a home run if he wants to hit a home run. I'm just confused. Well, and I also have another question, and I've never played baseball. That's not true. I played baseball up until I was probably like 14, and then I just watched and enjoyed the game. I just don't understand. You dug yourself in a hole. You're yeah. in a 3-0 pitch count anyways. Right. So why is that his fault for swinging when you yeah. dug him into that hole already of being 3-0? And also I think there was like a factor of his third base coach gave him a sign for something that maybe would have said for him to not hit it, but he hit it anyway. So I think that played a part into it as well. But MLB fans, let us know what this unwritten rule is that made him have to apologize for this homer because it was a grand slam and it was extremely impressive. I mean, I'm just going to say, he threw the pitch down the freaking pipe. Yeah. And yeah. if I'm in the MLB and I'm sitting there watching this beautiful pitch coming right at me. I'm going to swing. I'm trained to swing. Yeah. That is my job. That is what I want to do. 
if you don't want me to hit the ball, don't throw the ball where I can hit it. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah. Now, given it was apparently very unsportsmanlike, it was very rude. Yeah, which I just don't understand. And I don't fully understand. I get it. Yeah. It's kind of almost like in any other sport, like basketball. Like, you don't, do, you don't go do a layup when you're beating a team by 20 points. Right. You know? So, I guess it's just kind of that that thing. Yeah. I will say it's very different because technically in the NBA, you can just dribble it around and still look like you're doing something. If yeah. you're at bat, you just stand there. Yeah. And so, just don't swing, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, like we said, MLB fans, let us know. I know that the Padres were up a bit, too, to your point. Like, the sportsmanship factor. So, who knows? Regardless, he still hit a home run. So, yeah. <laughs> it was good for him. Kind of a fun fact, though. The Padres became the fifth ever team to hit three grand slams in three game spans. Yeah, that's crazy. They're on a roll. Maybe that's why he did it. True. He wanted to beat a record. There it is. <laughs> we got you, bro. We're covering your back. Anyways, to kind of share some actual information on the MLB, there are about 35 games left. You got the Yankees, the Twins, and the Athletics in the American League leading. And then you also have the Braves, the Cubs, the Dodgers in the National League leading. And the Dodgers technically have the best record overall, which I want to point out mm-hmm. on our podcast where we talk to OD on sports yeah. about baseball, hockey, sports, everything yeah. and anything. I did say that I think the Dodgers could win it all. Yeah, you did say that. I think you've actually said that multiple times, probably on multiple podcasts, because I think you have believed that ever since baseball was coming back, even probably before baseball was coming back, you were talking about how you thought they could win. They got Mookie Betts. Obviously, that was setting them up for some really good success, and we're seeing that play out also in the season. So they have the best record up until this point. So we'll see if they can kind of continue it through and hold on to that um, through the next 35-ish games. Exactly. So I want to bring up the WNBA, like we said, because I kind of was reading this really fascinating article talking about home records against away records in the WNBA bubble, which if you think about it, the home game is the exact same thing as the away game, minus like a few little kinks. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about that for a second because I was really fascinated. So the home records are better than away records for nearly every single team in the bubble. A lot of players and a lot of coaches are leaving it up to the fact that the home team can change their benches, change their color schemes. Their intro music is different, or I've even read that a couple of players are having a completely different routine pregame than they would outside of the bubble. So I just kind of wanted to bring that up, see what you thought about this. Do you think there is an actual home court and away court advantage? So I think that there is a slight advantage. I don't think it's nearly as extreme or prevalent as it would be outside of a bubble, but I've even noticed like in the WNBA games and in the NBA games, the team who is quote-unquote the home team can kind of, like you said, control the music, control what's on the screens or on the court, control even some decals on the court that like um, in the game that the Clippers were playing the Mavs, like the Clippers is the home team, so they put decals on the floor to kind of make it feel like a Clippers court. Um, I've seen quite a few teams do that, so I think there's a bit of an advantage. I don't think it's anything extreme that you can kind of count on for winning, like you could, you know, outside of the bubble, but there's a little something. I mean, they make it a little bit special for the home team, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I was reading something about a WNBA player who actually treats this almost like she was at church. Hmm? Like she, So she warms up, and then she leaves like she was going to go to a Bible study or something like that, and she reads her scripts or reads her verses and then goes and plays. Interesting. How cool is that? Like, I mean, it's just so fascinating to see kind of the ways that players are adapting to getting ready for a game in the NBA bubble or WNBA bubble for that matter. So I don't know. It's just something weird, something fascinating I wanted to bring up. And it's also really crazy to think about. I think it was like the home court advantage was like 3% higher in the bubble than it was outside the bubble. So I I don't know. Is that for the WNBA? Because I'm also thinking about NBA at the same time. And I don't know if Portland Trailblazers win game one at Staples Center. 
Exactly. So it's weird, but I mean, that is interesting that there's a, a higher percentage of the home team winning because, I mean, there is really no home court. So it's very interesting how it's all playing out, especially in the bubbles across both the WNBA and the NBA. We'll see how those statistics kind of change over the course of the rest of the playoffs in the NBA and the rest of the season in the WNBA, but you can guarantee we will give you an update as it progresses. Yeah, so we got asked this question, and I had to bring it up on our podcast, and most of the time we bring up a couple of questions, we just honestly didn't have that much time, but one of the questions that we got asked on our Instagram, if you guys ever want to ask us a question, hit us up, GG Talk Sports, it was regarding college conferences still playing football. I think it said, like, there's three college conferences still playing football, question, question, question. Yeah. And so I just kind of wanted to bring this up, bring up college sports, have a discussion about it to end this whole entire podcast, and uh, yeah, so... I think there's one very important thing that we need to bring up in this discussion of college athletics getting canceled. Yeah. It is not college football is canceled. It is college sports in the fall yeah. are canceled. There's a lot of sports that are played in the fall. I know football is what like warrants the most attention, but there are a lot of other sports that are played in the fall, and all of those are postponed. But we are only seeming to focus on football, obviously, because it's the biggest one. Um, but there are a lot of athletes who are having to not play their season. Yeah, I mean, think about this. For example, volleyball. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 have won 19 of 20 championships and 27 of the last 30 championships for volleyball. Yeah, that's crazy. And now they don't get to. Yeah. That's crazy. That's insane. It, I mean, it is really crazy. And for all those players who obviously went to those schools because they're good volleyball schools, now they are not getting to play the season. I think one of the things that's hardest kind of to um, accept is, you know, like the seniors who might not have a professional career or the seniors who are really counting on their senior year to potentially have a professional career, it is hard to accept that they just won't get to play. I know people say there could be spring, but that kind of interferes with a lot of stuff that happens during the spring too, like drafts and all that kind of stuff. So it is kind of hard to accept, um, but there are still three conferences to this person's point that are still planning on playing fall sports. Yeah, that's a great point. And that actually kind of leads me into our next topic or next discussion for college sports, and that is that the D1 Council actually just put out a proposal for all the parameters on fall sports coming back. So one of the things that they've made very prevalent and very clear is eligibility. Because for any collegiate athlete, eligibility is one of the most important things for that player and for that person, obviously. So the council members recommended all D1 fall student athletes get an additional year of eligibility regardless of any threshold. So even with the spring season, no matter the length, fall athletes would technically still have a year to compete collegiately. Yeah, that's good. I I really like that proposal because even if they did compete in the spring, it's pretty likely it wouldn't be the same as a fall season. So to be able to give them a full another season, which will hopefully, fingers crossed, be a normal year next year. um, I mean, that's, I think, something that needs to be done because they are going to miss out on a lot by not having this season. Yeah, no, I agree. So it's going to be really fascinating. There's a bunch of bullet points that go further down the list of all the parameters, precautions, all the recommendations that the D1 Council is going to be making. Maybe we'll do a whole episode on that because it actually is really fascinating, really intriguing to see how they're going to treat student athletes because that's a completely different ball game than an actual professional athlete. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we'll keep you guys updated on that. And that is actually going to kind of wrap up our whole entire episode on 
everything. All the sports. There's so many sports going on. But thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to all of our opinions, thoughts, and takes on all the sports happening. We hope that you are enjoying how many sports are on as well. Make sure you're following us over on GG Talk Sports on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook because we always post a lot of conversations and want to get your take. And like we always say, thank you to everybody and anybody that is doing their part during this crazy time, all the healthcare workers, all the people on the front lines. And if you have a second, don't forget to leave a rating, leave a review, and subscribe so you can get the latest and greatest when we post. Have a great one.